Pack Double Feature. Ah, shit, sir. Two friends, two movies, and too much to drink. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. Hey, there you guys are. Hey, 12, you're 13. You're either looking for pirate treasure or some dead kid. It's a tale as old as time. And today, these two old bastards are going to talk Goonies and Stand By Me. On six pack double feature. You can put six packs of soda in here. Hey, buddy. Hi. How's it going? I'm 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 great. Do you realize the implication of um, the Goonies is that it stars Rudy? Yes, Ricky Butler. <laughs> okay. Uh, Virginia Chance from Raising Hope. Okay. And Thanos. That's half my first impression notes right there. That's, my, <laughs> that's Martha Plimpton, right? Yeah. Okay. She's awesome. I love her. Welcome in, gang. Six-pack double feature. Hope you guys have had a good week. I'm not Travis. I'm not Nathan. I'm not Bill either. Nor am I Jerry. <laughs> How you been, buddy? So well, I'm swell. Anyway, what did we do last week when uh, we talk about? Uh, we did Bull Durham. And that's right been a long week bad news bears this week we're talking about a couple of childhood adventure movies i guess one's a childhood adventure one is a coming of age story Rewatching okay. them in in that order one's a a kid fantasy adventure one is a true coming of age story they work well as a pair together but it's they're totally they're definitely similar and different at the same time you yeah know? yeah for sure um, I'm going to get shit for this. I know I've probably already said it, and most of you already know. I, I You didn't grow up watching Goonies. I saw I saw the first half of Goonies for the first time in 2009 uh, at our old neighbor's house, and I just by the halfway mark, I was like, I, I'm done with this. I want to go home. You know, so I just, I left. How old were you? 29. Oh, 29. I thought 30. you said nine. What was in 2009? Oh, okay. <laughs> all, I, all I registered was nine. I'm like, you saw this at age nine and you wanted to check out halfway through at nine? I don't see that happening. At 29, <laughs> I, I, just, I get it. Okay, well, because our old, our old neighbor and his uh, wife at the time, they, they had both grown up watching it like most kids. So, you know, they were like repeating the lines. And, oh, yeah. You know, and I was like, ah. It's like going to Rocky Horror for the first time if you don't know all the shit, you no. know, or watching The Room with somebody, you know. And <laughs> you they... know what? Let's, let's just get to a trailer. Okay. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Join Mikey. Hi, gotcha. Brand. Andy. Mouth. Chunk. Stephanie. Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. That's the end. And Data. The Goonies, rated PG. Special advance preview, Saturday, June 1st. I always forget that Richard Donner did this. Yeah. You know how old he is? 90. He's as old as Clint Eastwood. Jesus. Yeah, I watched that, uh, what is it, um, Josh Gad's, his re reunited apart, like, where he was bringing people in to talk together who had been in certain movies. Who's Josh Gad's? Josh Gad, actor and com maybe comedian, okay. I don't know. Anyway, he brought in all of the actors that had been in Goonies. That were still alive, <laughs> and including the director, who's and, dead. Um, the obviously uh, fo the football player that played the mock uh, Fratelli's dead. Uh, the one who played uh, the who played um, and I can't even think of his name now. The football player who played uh, Sloth is, has passed away. Um, Was that Lyle Alzado? No, uh, okay. John McCusack. Okay, 
I believe. I had to pull it up and confirm. <clears throat> so he probably didn't have CTE. Probably didn't have CTE or any. No, definitely like not. Yeah. Not at that time. Probably did. Com- he died like four or five years later. Yeah, probably had nothing to do with his death. Probably he had nothing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no. Donner was ninety. It was his birthday when they recorded the everybody coming together to talk to him, including Spielberg showed up, and so everybody was doing these Zoom. That's cool things. And it took like uh, three quarters of the episode for for him to get his audio and and to work properly. I was like, oh great, he's just an old man who doesn't understand technology. <laughs> that wasn't the case. And Josh had gone in earlier and said that they were trying to work. They were having issues with video and audio. And so three quarters of the way into the whole reunion, he finally was able to talk to everybody. And he was oh, he was remote. He, yeah. How, how recent was this? This was. April? Oh, okay. April that's, that's 2020? Why, that's yeah. why Zoom. Okay. He looked like he had all of his marbles still with him for the most part. So that was that's, that's pretty awesome. Think yeah, he's still bitter about 90. Superman 2? Oh, I'm sure. Um, I, would I mean, be. I would be. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I think of having to watch Goonies for the first time at the age of almost 40, I would probably reference – not reference, but I would, I would relate it to someone saying, hey, you know what you should watch for the first time? At the age of forty-ish, what uh, Monster Squad? Do you like Monster Squad? I didn't. I had never. It's seen... kind of the same yeah. scenario. I hadn't seen it ever either, and I tried to watch it about ah <laughs> uh, shit, probably in the last ten years, and it was like ah damn it, it's another one I missed. Yeah, I would, that's how I would probably relate this one. This one is nostalgic, so this one doesn't suck for me. Uh, it didn't. And revisit. I mean, that suck, but I mean, there's a different investment. You don't have. Yeah. You don't have that time that you've shared many a time with these characters that you do when most, you saw it yeah, as a child. For, for most other kids, uh, this would be like a Friday night sleepover. Absolutely, movie, you know. I just I don't know how I missed it. I don't know. In my memory, my mom thought it was. I think she thought it was a dirty movie, not a dirty movie, but a PG. Yeah, I was just. I, maybe I was just had it in my head that I wasn't allowed to watch it, or I don't. Know. I don't I don't remember why, but I never fucking watched I, I it. I know for, for a fact I did not see this in the theater. This was a video store rental because I confirmed with my sister, did you see Goonies in the in the theater? She's like, no, I don't have a lot of memories <laughs> of, of going to going and seeing specific movies. Have the protocol memory. She protocol remembers seeing memory the original Star Wars. She remembers that in 77. Um I remember in 85 specifically seeing Back to the Future in the theater. And the reason why is, is because my parents had to see it beforehand to make sure it was all right. Make sure there wasn't any peeping toms or incest or anything. (laughs) No, that was all right. (laughs) Just make sure there's not a lot of, a lot of language, you know, good, uh, good friend of mine, friend of the show, Travis Stevick. He moved, uh, he and I grew up together and, uh, we're from the same town, obviously in 2005. Um, I moved here. He moved to Oregon and almost immediately, he worked went to for Astoria. A, he did well. He worked for a uh, one of those companies that sets up wedding receptions, like okay. tents and all the chairs and stuff. Right. So his job was: you drive to wherever the event is, you set up all the shit, and then you've got to wait for the event to happen, and then you break it down. He's like, so I just had fucking days and days on the coast where I didn't have anything to do. I'd go to arcades, play golf, whatever. Right. And he, this was back in the flip phone era, so he would send me. Uh, he sent me a picture of the rock. Ah, uh, that. that on the shore, yeah, on the beach. Yeah, in the story. And he's like, you know what this is from? And I was like, no. Not quite. And he's like, you fucking communist. It's from the Goonies. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's right. You've never seen it. And I said, yeah, that's yeah, right. Sorry. Uh, this for me is like, this is a rainy day favorite. 
it's just one of those ones where you feel like you need a little adventure in your in your life or you want to revisit some old friends and sure, you have absolutely. nothing to do you can't go outside or it's perfect even just for like just kids a rainy day kind of movie where you can't go out and do something hey let's pop this in and see if you like it you know this is definitely one that it's got that total quintessential 80s pacing oh yeah it's i what i what i really like about goonies is it being written by chris columbus and mm. he wrote gremlins he even had a little uh little, easter egg yeah. in there i like uh, i did like that lawrence that was <laughs> this is about those little monsters that multiply when you get them wet is it i have in my side notes here these kids deal with a corpse way better than gordy's crew oh here's a funny thing you know that corpse yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh he is a stunt guy i believe um he's in a couple other spielberg movies he is the guy who gets knocked out of the rowboat in Jaws. Nice. <laughs> He's also plays a federal agent in E.T., and you get a really good look at him several times when they're chasing the kids on the bikes towards the end of the movie. That's cool. Yeah. And so I think he was Spielberg, a semi-regular. Spielberg did that a lot, didn't he? He, he get... did, especially in the 80s. Sure. Oh, they got Swenson's, Rocky Road, and Apple... And, you might as well be yeah. reading Latin to me, dude. Yeah. I've seen it once. I've, I watched this. I got I got fucked up on the order that we were going to record, and I watched this like <laughs> way early. Yeah, I watched in this year. in like like February. COVID was a coming thing when I watched this. COVID was like you were catching just snippets about it. This might Wuhan. be a pro- this might be a problem later. <laughs> uh, You're like, dude, I got these ready to go, and I'm like, this is like later in the season, man. You're like, it is, and then I had to share it to you a couple oh, well, of times. The- at least my notes will be a surprise to everyone, uh, then. <laughs> including myself. <laughs> including me. I, I think what's fun with this movie is that it's it's got a bit of language. It makes uh, a bit. It's a bit daring for kids, and so it it hits that level for kids of like, this isn't just a a children's movie. This is a little risque. You know, it's like a twelve year old movie. It's got. It's got a little bit of cursing in it. Like you this know? would be one where like your mom and your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom would take you and your buddy to see this movie, but she would also take your buddy's mom, and they would go see like a Bette Midler movie, right? And they would turn you two fucking idiots loose. Here you can go okay. see Goonies. Look, we'll catch we're going to be the in lobby. the next theater. You have your ass out here at the end. Don't go play video games. You go. Don't you two, sneak into another theater. Yeah, you two go watch this movie, <laughs> and then you come. We'll be out here, and then we'll go have lunch, and then we'll go home. That that's kind of how I see this, or uh, kind of like where we grew up. You by the time videos came around, you yeah. Hey, fucking Joe Blow staying over Friday night. I didn't have. A Let's go rent a couple of movies. Yeah, let's rent a couple of movies. That and then, was always the fun. And thing. then it's like, okay, go watch your fucking movies. And this would be like one of those you would You're like. I'm gonna go in the other room and have a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I know you're from the West Coast. Have you ever been to the Oregon coast? No. God, it's t- it's my favorite place on earth, dude. No, I have not. Um, the jailhouse, the courthouse, or the county jail that he breaks out of, the city jail that oh, at the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah. of the film, yeah. is That's now the sequence. Oregon Film Museum. That's cool. Yeah, they turned it into, and you go in there, and there's a Goonies layout, and there's a few other films. Kindergarten Cop? Uh, yeah, Kindergarten Cop. Um, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. but yeah. That chase sequence is fun. Yeah, it is. Um, and you see the uh, Spielberg trademark of uh, Fratelli's face in the, in the in mirror. In the mirror, a yeah. couple of times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, how many times have you seen this? Couple, a couple of dozen easily. Once so, a year for the past 
30 years, so at least a couple dozen. It's a By a couple dozen, you mean 24 to 30? Or do yeah, you mean 20, f- 24 to 30 okay. easily. Okay. One and a half times for me. <laughs> <laughs> One and a half times. So a lot of things you're going to reference? I, I may not reference as much. Probably no, not going to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, but by all means, I know our audience has seen it, so reference away and well, allow me to be the punching bag. Well... <sighs> Like whenever I hear Richard Donner, I just, I just realize he's been directing since like the fifties. I always just think Superman. That's it. I do. I'm like maybe, maybe did, the Omen. Did he do the Omen? Yeah. Wow. Ah, uh, that's the one that I have a hard time getting through because the music. This is for South, you, Damien. South Park ruined that movie because of the uh, the music. Oh, it's, I don't watch South Park either. Well, <laughs> I don't watch South Park either. Well, it's not just that. It's um, actually I've watched enough South Park that South Park ruined. The omen for me, okay. Because of the, because of the music. Oh, okay. Is this Sylvester? That, <clears throat> uh, no, it is Dave Grusin. He was more kind of jazzy, a jazzy artist. Um, and I remember like two or three pictures where my dad's like, "Oh, look at this! I can get this record. It's Dave Grusin, Cinematic Magic." And I'm like, "Oh, great! It's got the music from the Goonies." I'm like, "Yeah, it's got so a bunch just of other." Stop you real quick. So your impression of your dad is a watered down impression of me doing an impression of you. <laughs> That's great. Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, no, because Grusin did music for Tootsie. He did music for On Golden Pond. I'm He's Nathan's a few dad. other, but yeah. <laughs> I'm Nathan's dad. Just got to do a little lower. Got to be a little deeper. Right. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> rewatching this for the umpteenth time, especially now as a full-grown man in his 40s, my favorite scenes are usually those between Robert Davi and Joe Joey Pants as the <laughs> brothers. Joey who, Pants. Yeah, uh, Joe uh, Pantoliano. They j- their childish banter, the brother rivalry. Yeah, just doesn't. It doesn't get any better. It's more enjoyable now than it was when you were a kid. And how much his mom favored uh, Joey Pants's character. <laughs> She's what? A, I'll show you a tremor. Whoosh. <laughs> what an anomalous! Like, ah. What an anomalous career that woman had. Quit eating my pepperoni. <laughs> Yeah, her career was weird. I only really remember her from two movies. It's this and Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah. If she was in anything else... She looks like she smells and smells like pee. <laughs> the face she makes looks like she's constantly smelling pee. But then she also carries herself like that woman in town that smells like pee. What is that, urine? Yeah. <laughs> what is that, Slavic? <laughs> I don't know. Um, that was the the line I remember. Anne Ramsey. I was trying to yeah. remember her name. Anne Ramsey. Yeah. Did uh, somebody poop? That's from Throw Mama from the Train. Kids. I smell hey. kids. What is it? Is it? She, he shuts the door when they kicks him out of the restaurant finally. I hate kids. What doesn't work for you? It's going to be. I've got a couple <laughs> uh, of things because normally you're the nitpicky I have, asshole. I'm, I, I I'm have gonna... three little things that are kind of funny and observational that I've always kind of thought about while watching this. Okay. Specifically, one: how much Brand got paid for mowing lawns? What did he get paid for mowing uh, lawns? Or that he got, or that he overpaid for his bike? He mowed. He did 376 lawn mowing jobs to get his prized possession, some type of BMX bike. That becomes immediately worthless when mouth lets the air out of the tires. So how they're mu- running off. How much is the bike? I'm going to do some math here. Um, I don't know. They didn't state how much no. the bike was. All I know is that Mikey said it took him 376 uh, lawn mowings right. in order to get that bike, and the fact that he didn't get his license over that weekend. <laughs> I so. have 
our our lawn here is just shy of an acre. Yeah, it's pretty big. It goes downhill and quite a bit. And I paid sixty dollars to have that cut. <laughs> I pay ours. Ours is three quarters, and it's like forty dollars a cut. That's a so. hell of a lot. So let's just do an average. So you said forty, I said sixty. Let's meet in the middle. Yeah, say and I fifty. It looked like they had a huge lawn either. Um, you didn't see the backyard, but there wasn't much. So <laughs> this is great radio. Um, fifty <laughs> times three hundred and seventy-six equals. <laughs> that's not right. No, that's that's fifty right. times. Three hundred and seventy-six equals eighteen thousand eight hundred dollars. I look at it this way: it's eighty-five. He was probably getting paid. I would have thought like five to ten bucks a cut. Probably. How much is that? Well, a really expensive lawn. Ten, ten bucks would be three hundred or three thousand. That's a really expensive bike. That or half of that, where it becomes almost immediately worthless once he unscrews the caps. That's not how tires work. Yeah, that's not how tires work. Yeah, that was the other thing that I put down here. I'm like, also, um, if your prized possession is a bike, you're going to have a bike pump. I know it's a plot. I know it's a plot device to get him to to grab the kid's bike, the little girl's bike, and to ride it after it, after his brother. <laughs> was, Which is almost was, really funny because funny, it the timing, him. Well, it's not just that. It's also the timing of the honk. <laughs> a couple of times almost sounds like it's honking out his profanity. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, which I also found also just as funny. Son of a... You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> How old was James Brolin when they did that? He was like... Oh, I think I had it written down here. It has here. to be like 20. No. This was his first – this was his feature film debut. He was like 16 or 17. Okay. Yeah. He was younger than I would have thought. Another nitpick uh, that seemed odd that this took place in Astoria, Oregon, knowing where most pirates congregated. And I always thought Caribbean, so I always thought that this was on the, the East Coast. I never – they never specifically mentioned Oregon that I recall watching the movie. It's just – Assumed people know it's Oregon. A lot of movies aren't set in Oregon. I, I like that. I know. It's, it's I fun, like that as well. Because I, I fucking love Oregon. And I, you just, I always thought I was on the East Coast at first. And then I think I came to that realization a while later. And Lisa was like, you thought this was where? I'm like, I always thought it was up the East Coast because I'm thinking pirates, Caribbean, I perhaps East Coast. It. it would take a long time to get all the way around them. And then I realized, oh, just do... I don't know. Look up things in history. There are pirates that existed everywhere. I uh, I perhaps mention it in the next half, but do you realize Stand By Me takes place in Oregon as well? I I have a trivia bit about it. I had a later, bit but. that I was going to reference, and I'll, we'll talk about it later, that made me think that it was filmed somewhere other than uh, taking I don't know. place in Maine like the story. And there's, like a, there's, a, reason, there's a reason for that. Okay. But, um, uh, I put down here, lastly, at the very end, I wasn't sure exactly what time of day it was when they come out. I always thought it was morning. It. Um, I always thought so again, it was you're morning. So, again, you're from the West Coast. Right. Did you have... And then I, I, I never I, paid attention to them looking at the sunset. Well, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> so there's the thing in San Diego called June Gloom. Uh-huh. Did you have that in where you grew up? Yeah, there was... It looked like that to me. It was overcast like, a lot. Overcast, yeah. but like broad fucking daylight, but... Overcast, so it looks like this weird. We live just dusky close time. enough to the Pacific coastline. There was a gloom almost every morning that didn't dissipate until between name, ten and twelve. Wasn't his name Governor Jerry Brown? Not that time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple things that don't work. Okay. Um, again, being a bit nitpicky, but no, that's that's our that's job, kind of right? Fun. It's kind of fun to talk. So they're about. moving tomorrow. <laughs> 
they're gonna pack that whole fucking house up in one day. Rosalita it, is. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. And didn't she have a broken leg? Uh, she's got a cast on her arm. That's right. She has a cast on her arm, which is so, why they hired Rosalita. She's so yeah, a one armed house mover. No, no, she doesn't have the cast. Rosalie doesn't have the oh, cast. Oh, the mom, the mom does. does. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's dumb. And then, like, okay, fine. Maybe I if you really pull a- want the house to be clean before it gets teared down. Yeah. If you <laughs> maybe if you pull a marathon session, everybody working around the clock, you, you can are pack that not shit prepared. Up. But they no, are not. what I'm saying, if, if you pull a marathon session and everybody picks a room and you all pack up the fucking room, you might be able to get it packed up and ready to move by the next day. That's a big house too. But then they go on this fucking adventure. For like, probably, well, we got to pack the house, but let's go. Let's just go check it out real quick. That's stupid. And Dad was still working. Yeah, Dad was still at work. Um, it's a little bit too long for me. I get that. It's just it's, it's just, just I didn't, shy of. I didn't two grow hours. up. I, like we talked about Manhunter a while back, and you talked about it being too long, and I said it's fucking great for me because mm-hmm. it's like an old friend. So I get it with this. Um, and the other thing is, I hate Chunk. All he does is whine. He just whines and he's he's Chunk is the one who probably has the the biggest emotional arc though. Okay. He doesn't get to go with the rest of his friends. He gets left behind. He gets taken captive and then escapes with Sloth right. and follows down behind everyone else. I j- I think he grows the most. Well, he is the fattest <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> Dick. He's emotionally fat. Yes, he's emotionally fat and physically fat. By the end of the movie, he's emotionally fit, but still physically fat. <laughs> when watching it and Chunk and Sloth are in the same scene and he picks him up and and uh, Chunk goes, you smell like fizz, Ed. I always thought that phrasing was weird for me because we never called P.E. fizz, Ed. We called it P.E. Some of the other weird torture. We call it torture. Yeah, that too. Um, What I found odd while watching this is like, I don't know about you, but when I'm being chased by the police, I always eat saltine crackers. (laughs) Is that was that just to demonstrate how calm she was being? I believe so. Yeah, uh, everyone. And then they get into the the race on the coast, which allows them to evade because they're able to disappear into the crowd. And into the race itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that Troy should have been arrested for attempted murder or at least manslaughter for what he tried to do to Brand. What did he do? I can't he remember. He grabbed his arm, put it on the car, and drove down the hill. Oh, yeah, the yeah, The training yeah, wheels yeah. kick the, off, and then he flies the, off. The dickbag Chad fucking yeah. rapey jock dude. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I looked at that and I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that he should have been arrested for attempted manslaughter. And attempted but, rape. Oh yeah, or at least rapiness. Yeah, sexual harassment. So what do you get? So what do you got booked for? Attempted rapiness. (laughs) (laughs) Troy, if you touch that mirror one more time, I'm gonna slap you. What's funny when we were watching it um, this past week? My sister was in town, and both her and Lisa were uh, watching part of it with me. And she was like, "You know what doesn't make sense?" I'm like, "What's that?" It's like, I don't think that Steph. And Annie would have been friends in high school. Because Annie is Martha Plimpton? Uh, no, Annie is Annie. Martha Plimpton is Steph. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tomboy. Yeah, tomboy, kind of nerdy, and Annie being the cheerleader. It just, the the click 
they they seem like they would have been in different cliques. It would have made more sense Possible. if they reconnected later. Sure. They were they were friends in junior high. They just don't seem like and I'm like, you know what? That's that's an accurate observation. Possible. That I Steph mean, and women would know and more. Andy, than- it's, I said Annie. I meant to say Andy. Steph and Andy would not. I don't think have been friends. Women would know more than in high men. school. Women would know more than men would on that. True. And so, yeah, I I, I believe that. Um, My favorite line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have a favorite scene. Um, there's some really cool shots in this. I really like the reveal of the pirate ship. Yeah. Um, but my favorite line is, and I know you're going to step on this, but no, it's well, you're ruining the painting. You're ruining my, my joke. joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, don't give me a nice wet, lickery kiss. I thought I was a great. I've done. I've done that to you before. Yeah. Like where you fuck up my jokes on you. You're ruining my joke. You're ruining my joke. My favorite line is Data saying, "Do you see the clothes? Drug dealers wouldn't be cut dead wearing those polyester rags." <laughs> Hey thank you there. for not thank hey you for there. not doing the accent. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think they're uh do you think they're like drug dealers or gangsters? Do you see their clothes? His little gadgets and shit were dumb. It was fun. Okay, here's uh I know being five and eighty five no, no, when it no. came out would have been cool, but I get that. But that's not what I not what I was getting at. You know how he plays the James Bond theme before he he um Kind of takes was that, the zip line across. Was that another Spielberg thing of going like, you should well, let me fucking do a James Bond movie? What it was, I'm trying to think of this. Oh, it was Moonraker. Riveting. Yes, I know. No, in Moonraker, he pushes Moonraker the, 4, go. He. <laughs> <laughs> Did he do the. No, it's. Kiss it's, to make the peace. He thing? uses the code to unlock the door and it's close encounters. Oh. Do, 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 do. Yep. He got permission to use that code and or that those tones, and so Spielberg was able to get permission to use the James Bond theme in Goonies. Did he put a little later. option in there, like you know what? I'll let you use it from my movie, but I want something later. Did yeah? I, I'm going to ask you for a favor. Most likely, it was hey, you remember that time when you asked? Yeah, can we use it for this one? Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, fine. That was fine. This is double oh seven, double oh negative. Um, <laughs> I was. If I go into my favorite, I have a favorite scene. Okay. We start with the fuzzy little fingers, then the plump little hand, then the fleshy arm. Now tell me where your other little friends are. The fireplace. Don't lie to me. Honestly, we went over to Mikey's dad's place and we found a map that said that underneath this place there's buried treasure. Well, don't give us none of your bullshit stories, huh? <laughs> hey, kid, I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. <laughs> In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my uncle back to the pay and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the dog. My mom sent me to a, to a summer camp for fat kids. And then once during lunch, I got nuts and I pigged out and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done, I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, then I made a noise like this. 
So are you telling me there's another connection to Stand By Me and that the story about... <laughs> oh, I never linked the puking. ...about Lardass <laughs> and his total barfarama, Gordy's just retelling the story of Chunk at the movie theater. Yeah, that's it. No. Crazy. But that is funny. I never made that connection before until right now. What's funny is... is uh, I, like couple... how he, I like how he breaks from his terror to go, Ugh! Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, and, I, and then it goes back to what I don't like. Chunk's confession is always just really funny to watch. But uh, when pulling up some of the trivia, I found out that uh, Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk, a couple of those confessions were for real in his life, like <laughs> the uh, toupee. Um, wearing his his uncle's toupee or his grandfather's toupee or whatever, <laughs> playing Moses in his Hebrew play, Hebrew school's play, <laughs> and then he pushed his sister down the stairs and blamed it on the dog. That was also something that he did when he was a kid. <laughs> the uh, the puke bit, everyone thought, oh no, that's just myth. That's just was written or whatever. Apparently, that was based off of something that Spielberg did when he was a kid. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> when he was in Arizona, I guess. Growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, is that he did the fake puke thing over the balcony. I'm like, oh, God. That's so gross. The, my other favorite scene is when Mouth is translating for Rosalita. Always separate your drugs. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Mr. Walsh stores his sexual torture devices. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Do you think Feld Dog was riffing there? Do you think was... I don't know. He might. Uh, maybe. Mm, I don't know. I'm in a crazy house. <laughs> <laughs> there was something else that Lisa had mentioned while we were watching this. Uh, Anne, uh, Anne Ramsey, Ma Fratelli, says, I can smell the bubblegum. Go this way. Uh, having had nephews, Lisa said that Ma Fratelli would have said, now, if this movie had been made today, I can smell their body axe spray. Hey, I wear axe body spray. <laughs> but it's true, because you ever been around a bunch of 13-year-olds? Try not to. No, not to. <laughs> Either B.O. or everything else trying to cover up that B.O. Yeah. If you uh, had a magic wand. Oh, my magic wand was rewatching it with a more critical eye. The super sappy, syrupy scene where Mikey shares, it's our time down here. Our time. It feels a little too dramatic, and I would have toned down those scenes personally. Was, yeah. I understand what they're getting at, and they're playing on sentimentals, but it just felt a little too a little forced, forced gotcha. for me. But that's just for me. I'll start with the biggest one first, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> you have a scene where, and this will happen probably later. I think I've already kind of mentioned it, but um, coming down the mountain from the other way. Okay. This is a crew from Stand By Me. <laughs> and Gordy's, Gordy and Gordy and Chris's Because they're both crew, in Oregon. Yeah. So, um, Gordy and Chris's crew have an all-out fucking battle with uh, Data and Mike <laughs> and their crew. About who's going to get rights to the fucking treasure found on Ray Brower's corpse? <laughs> that could be fun. Kind of like the kind of like the money uh, on Teddy. He's kinda, got some anger issues. Kind of like well, that would be a fun little thing too, where uh, Malf and Teddy look at each other like, "Fucking know you, man." It's like looking in a mirror, only not. Um, what's up with your ear? You know, um, kind of like the uh, news anchor battle. 
Okay. That could be fun. Or, you know, it would, it would have been a much better, you have to change quite a bit of it around, but it would have been a much better fourth Indiana Jones movie for him to look for like a pirate treasure. Yeah, this is one of those ones where it really felt like they had the. It felt Indiana Jones esque with Ish. all of the booby yeah. traps, and I wonder and, and pirate ship. I wonder if that had been. It's a got a very, it's got a very Temple of Doom feel in a lot of spots. The effects and stuff, right? Um, visual effects and things. Um, that, like, truly, that I would rather have seen this or some iteration of this be an Indiana Jones movie. I could see that. Yeah. Um, or just for funsies, have Sloth go full board Jason Voorhees and just fucking kill everybody. <laughs> or at least his parents and brothers. Everybody, man. No, everybody. You're like, then no. he's the fucking then he's the killer of the oh story. Oh my god, it's potato sack. Who <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, you guys? <laughs> I never would have thought about ugh. That's that that would be my uh that'd be any of my three magic wands that I came up with. I always love the the, the not so subtle reference to uh Richard Donner directing Superman when Sloth tears his oh, yeah. shirt open and then the Don't they play the overture <laughs> and, a little bit? And then Francis or or Jake goes, We're in oh yeah, we're in deep shit now, Francis. <laughs> yes, and then they play the music just for a brief moment. I had a really difficult time recasting this movie. I have no emotional connection to this. So I could okay, so good. I couldn't recast it. It I, was too you, difficult. For you me couldn't to recast it at all. No. Okay. So this, I'm, I'm, I put a little bit of thought into. This. Okay. So, okay. So Mikey, Jason Bateman, just follow me through this. Okay. Brand, Christian Bale, Mouth, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chunk, The Rock. <laughs> Wait, what? Stick, stick with. All me. right. Data. Lucy Liu, Andy, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, all right. Steph, Emma Stone. The kicker is it's an all adult cast, and they've all come back to town, kind of like the Big Chill or uh, It. Or they found another pirate ship twenty seven years later. Well, no, they, they they all have to come back to town for some reason, and then there's some fucking MacGuffin they have to. It might not be the treasure, or maybe it's the fable treasure that they didn't find. Like, remember that day. Before Mikey and everybody moved. <laughs> All right. We ended up in the well, and then the cops came up, and we got arrested and everything. I found it. I found it. They go find the treasure and rediscover their youth or something like that. They've been trying to reboot or make a sequel for probably 20, 15 to 20 years. If they bring back everybody that I think was in this, it would be great. At some point, I think they thought about, well, you know what? Maybe we'll try this. And then eventually it's like the thought is is to have their – everyone shows like everything up, else but it's now. just their kids now. Yeah, just like they're doing with everything else. Right. And you call it Son of Goonies. That would, I, be, that would be great. Because I thought about my magic wand going, mm, I would love to have a, a sequel to this, but I also would hate to have a sequel to this. I'd say treat it like it, like part one and part two. They're kids and now they're adults. That's good. I like that. That's what I would do. So Chunk turns into the rock. As a former fat kid, I did have a phase when I was like, I'm not going to be fat anymore. You know what I, Jeff Cohen does in real life now? He's an entertainment lawyer. Good for him. Yeah. Super thin. Yeah. I'm not super thin anymore, but like you're I, not, that's why you're I picked, not fat. That's why I picked The Rock, because I was a fat kid, and then in my early <laughs> mid-20s, I got, I got in shape, and I, 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 had, a, I had a good fighting weight. So you got to think maybe he's picked on for being a fat kid. He, he gets all muscular. Um, do you have any trivia? I do have some trivia. Six-pack trivia. All right, let's see down here. 
Mikey uses his inhaler 11 times and uses it incorrectly all 11 times. Asthma is in your lungs and not in your head (laughs) or in your mouth. Uh, When the Fratelli brothers argued, Ann Ramsey really slapped Robert Davi. Oh, geez. She was told to hit him as hard as she could. What did he do? Did he know that? He, no, he didn't know that. And apparently he just played into it, into the character. And that's when he went, I'll show you a tremor and slaps him. Hi, mom. Okay. And then he just walks off kind of pouty, <laughs> which is always that because um, she always favored Francis over Jake. Uh, Drew Struzan illustrated the movie poster of all the kids hanging down in a cave. So, yeah, I remember that poster. Yeah. Um, Richard Donner is the gray-haired sheriff at the on the ATV and the final scene who calls the kids goobers. See <laughs> <laughs> them goobers, right? <laughs> According to international uh what do I have here? According to international maritime salvage law, the rights to a salvage vessel and its contents go to the person or persons who first successfully bring something off of the vessel in question. Since Mikey brought the jewels off of the ship, the Inferno and everything on it belongs to him. Because mm-hmm. when you see that ship sail off at the end, you're like, that's going to sink real quick. <laughs> <laughs> the pirate ship was entirely real, and all of the shots were actually filmed on the ship itself. It was full scale. It was... It wasn't. It wasn't an actual, a, it wasn't an actual ship. ship. It was a. It was a. Like it a was prop. Yes, it okay. was a prop. I said it was offered to anyone who would take it. Once they filmed, no one wanted it, so it was completely scrapped because no one had room for. Who the fuck doesn't want a pirate ship? Where are you going to put a fucking pirate ship? <laughs> Nathan, you're missing the point, babe. You you buy the fucking thing and you th- then you make room for it. You thought that, if I have to tear down like look three bedrooms and half of a bathroom to build a pirate ship into my backyard and make a pirate ship into my house. That's you only live once, dude. You would have thought, ah, oh, Spielberg's like, I'll put that in my backyard. Sure. Who would win in a I s- maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure yet. Who would win in in a I suck more at, by being a whiny character in a movie? Kate Capshaw from Temple of Doom or Chunk or Chunk, Chunk. Okay, that was quickly settled. <laughs> One-eyed Willie Ship. Willie Scott, that's her name. Yeah. Uh, One-eyed Willie Ship, the Inferno, was 100 feet long and took two and a half months to construct as well. She's a sweet seaworthy vessel. Uh, Yeah. true. (laughs) Apparently, it was modeled after um, a ship in an Errol Flynn movie called The Seahawk. The cast was not allowed to see the pirate ship until they shot the scene where them seeing it. So as to have the so re- yeah cool. a real reaction. Richard Donner like wanted that. to catch the genuine reactions at the size and scope of it. When they did see it, Josh Brolin was so surprised that he exclaimed, "Holy shit!" And the scene had to be reshot. <laughs> Why not leave that in? Why not leave it in too? Because there's enough shits, but uh, mostly shot in sequence. So the total production took five months to film. Is that long? That's long. It's probably two months longer than crews a hate film that. Shoot. Correct. Yes, they or do, do actors. It, they do it for kids because it's That's easier right. for them to That's register. Right. We talked about this and have their m- emotional arcs. Yeah, we talked about this for something else. I we remember. did talk about this for something else, and I can't remember what it was. But yeah, just it was enough fun. episodes, folks, that we're starting to lose track. Yeah, that's right. Good job. Uh, the last name of the brothers who are chasing the Goonies are Fratelli. Fratelli in Italian means brothers. Go- <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the brothers, brothers. <laughs> They did that on In Living Color. Isn't there a band called the Fratellis, too? I, I think. don't know. I think there is. The uh, It was uh, Keenan and Damon Wayans. 
Okay. They did a, a black version of the Smothers Brothers, but it was the Brothers Brothers. <laughs> and they were like very vanilla black dudes. Like nice. they were like. KYYT now presents a minority affairs program, Black Like You. Here are your hosts, Tom and Tom, the Brothers Brothers. I'm Tom. Howdy. What do you say, Tom? That's right, Tom. In fact, we've written a very special song just for this show. I believe a uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, racial political statement that I'm not going to dig any deeper into, but if you'd like to, it's probably on YouTube. And it's Look at pro- it. It's a little dated, but still very fucking funny. Hey, whatever trivia do you have, Nathan? Uh, <laughs> uh, let me check. Uh, Corey Haim actually auditioned for the role of Mouth, but the role went to Corey Haim. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> Am I, I having a stroke? What? No, it's the Corey's. It's the Corey that threw me off. Corey Haim auditioned for the role of Mouth, but it went to Corey Feldman. Corey Haim sucks. I don't like him. At the time, the two Corys had not yet met, but they were really? later cast in the Lost Boys, and then they became best friends and starred in six more movies, um, five which you probably haven't ever seen. And then the last was is that after having a great working relationship with Steven Spielberg on Gremlins. Spielberg produced uh, the next two films that Chris Columbus scripted called The Goonies, uh, based on an idea that actually came from Spielberg and young Sherlock Holmes. Ooh. Um, that, that biffed, right? Young Sherlock Holmes? I don't know. The I kind of like it, but it's been a long time the since I've watched The one with Gene Wilder it. biffed badly. No, no, no. This one is like kid versions of Sherlock Holmes, like they're all at a school. Oh, I've never seen that one. Mikey spends a lot of time talking to that skeleton. He does. It's, Mikey has an obsession. It's like he has to work out his problems. He's a, he's a death wish, huh? He's preoccupied <laughs> with death. He might. I don't know why I've written this down. Uh oh. Um. <laughs> but but I have I have written here. Now it should be noted that um, I believe I had a couple of blasts of what's called White Dog, which is bourbon. R- right after the process of becoming bourbon. So it's like Dog. straight grain alcohol. So it hasn't had a chance to mellow. It's not aged okay. at all. It's like okay. it's like newborn. Because that's when it's when it ages is when it, it develops flavors, but it also the alcohol content or whatever goes. Well it mellows, down, right? but yeah. what 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 makes it what? bourbon is it has to sit and age for at least two years. Okay. This is straight off the fucking line. <laughs> Like fucking before they've poured it into the oak. It's, cast, it's oak clear as fuck. It or tastes okay. like fucking corn syrup, but with gasoline in it. It's called <laughs> mm, White Dog. This tastes delicious. At least, well, what what we got from Buffalo Trace was called White Dog. So, uh, <laughs> this reminds me of the ghost of Abel Cable, who said, "Put the money on the table." Not the ghost of Davy Crockett, who said, "I'll put the money in my pocket." <laughs> Why did was, you write this down? I don't know. It was a little nursery. This was in February when it, you it watched was, the movie. Yeah, it was a little nursery rhyme. We're recording rhyme this in July. It was a little nursery rhyme that this kid on the bus used to say, I am the ghost of Abel Cable. I say, put money on the table. Well, I am the ghost, <laughs> ghost of, of Davy Crockett. Crockett. I say, put money in my pocket. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but I, I wrote it down. Laughing. I also don't know why I wrote this down, but that space jockey Palpatine throne thing is pretty cool. Clearly, by your blank stare, you don't know what I'm talking about, and I don't know what I'm talking about either. So, that's uh, that's that gone. <laughs> <coughs> and that was edited out. <coughs> for I have a, I have an interesting, similar or equal film. Okay, I, think, I have three. Okay, you go first. 
Number one is the most obvious, Stranger Things. Mm, okay. This is just a reboot of many, several greatest hits of the 80s. A little more horror, obviously. Correct. Um, my second is called Super 8. It's J.J. Abrams' film that he Still made. Still haven't seen that either. Um, it's set in the late 70s. It's a story of five friends who, while shooting a short film during their summer break, witness a train wreck that releases some kind of supernatural or alien being. Wait, they saw Gili? Yes. Okay. Really good. Really enjoyable. I love Abrams. It's got I don't a lot know why, of I don't like, know why I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Uh, the next time I come over, I'll bring it and okay. let you borrow it. You were by, uh, by my bit. editing uh, this morning, before you got here, you were supposed to bring me Taken, and I don't see it on the oh, desk. You're supposed to remind me since we had that conversation. We did not have that conversation. We had the conversation a few weeks ago when we talked you about said, Taken. When I was editing, you said, oh, you haven't seen it? Uh, I think you're 88 minutes. I think you'll really like it. I'll bring it the next time I come over. And I was like, cool, sweet. And then we moved on. And I don't see a fucking copy of Taken. <laughs> I almost texted you, and I was like, no, you I hope it comes up. I hope it comes up. Usually what happens is, is when I get home, I grab the movies I talk about that I'm going to bring you, and then you'll watch them like nine months later. <laughs> and so sometimes I forget. Uh, the other one is Spielberg's movie called Ready Player One, and it's just set in the not-too-distant future where everyone pretty much lives online in a virtual world. It's it's very much plays on He the, hasn't been watching the news, has he? Well, it was a couple years ago. Gotcha. Okay. But that looks like plays on the that looks like a lot of fan service, a lot of winky it, wink. Gotcha. Hey, the book was it was designed it's a that book? way. Okay, it was a book first. Um, a lot of Spielberg stuff got pulled out when Spielberg says, "I like this and I want to do it, but I want you to, I'm going to pull out all of the Spielberg stuff." He reference took, other eighty stuff. Don't reference. Don't make don't reference to my stuff. So the only things that okay. kind of stayed in it were like the Back to the Future references. Okay, because he uses that vehicle as his car that he drives in the real in the virtual world. Okay, he didn't want. He was, to, he's all over the eighties, especially. Sure. So he didn't want it to be about him. I get correct. That. I get and it. so if he's doing it, he didn't want that. And so the only stuff that he allowed was Back to the Future. But those are my those are my three similar or equal. Okay. Have you seen a movie called The Quest? Who's in it? Um, who's the kid that played Elliot in E.T.? <sighs> Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. His, I can't remember if his parents die. Yeah, his parents, I think his parents die. And he gets sent to Australia to live with an uncle or something. And okay. he's out exploring and there's this stone quarry where there's this monster. The monster comes up out of the stone quarry and it's all menacing and threatening. And I've seen it once on like a Sunday afternoon Fox affiliate movie. Um, I'd uh, give it a go. Once. It's no, it's, it was, it's, it's, it's kind of dark. It's, it's more, it's kids versus adults, but I think it's just, it's just him. It's just Henry Thomas. But anyway, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. I don't want to spoil it, but there's, is it eighties? I'm assuming. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Probably around 85 actually. Cause he's a little bit older, but anyway, he gets, so he's in this weird transition phase in his life and even compounded by the fact that he's now in a completely different part of the world. And there's this monster, and he has to like he has to face his fear and kind of nut up and go deal with it. And I can't remember if he has any sidekicks or not. You said Australia, mm-hmm. and I forgot that is it was this a walkabout for him. I forgot, yeah, I forgot <laughs> that it was set. I forgot that it was set in Australia because it, I, it immediately uh, sprang to my mind while watching this. As a kid, Crikey. I as a kid, I really liked it. Uh, and it's, it's the the monster scared me. It's called the Quest. The Quest. Don't confuse it with the Jean Claude Van Damme movie of the same name. <laughs> that was like '90s or something, right? I yeah, think. I believe he was a legionnaire in that. Okay. No, that was the one who's called Legionnaire. Anyway, it's the Quest with Henry Thomas. Okay. It's a, the the actual cover is um, him kind of standing, and I believe it's Jean Claude Van Damme. 
Correct. <laughs> oddly enough, uh, he just wandered into frame. Um, it's him standing with like a rifle, and I believe you can see a vignette of the the lake and the the background on the monster. Um, we'll post a picture of it. Okay. But uh, that would that would be my similar or equal equal film. I, I think I think you would dig it. I don't know. I don't remember who directed it, but Travis C. Does it hold up? <laughs> For um, someone who watched it one and a half times and once at twenty half one half at twenty nine, I I had to <laughs> I had to unplug the saw this at seven part of my brain. Right, yeah, because it's Unplug- hard. And, that's, and that's hard to do. And watching it, like, okay, dude, yeah, this doesn't. This would totally click if I were. This would have clicked thirty five yeah. years ago for me. But it's fun. It's a fun movie. Right. It's a. It's just dark enough for me. It's almost. It's got those Indiana Jones elements where it's. Just a little bit dark in in certain corners, and know? I would like it. I, you know, I'm weird, dude. I'm, I'm fucked up. I like things to be a little darker. They take my similar equal to or what we're about to watch, which right. is what I grew up watching. This was your Goonies. Stand by me was my Goonies, yeah. right? Um, it sometimes need to decide if it's gonna be fun and cartoonish or fun and have real world consequences. Yeah, it kind of, in my opinion, it dances. Well, it, it tries to have it tries to have its cake and eat it too. It tries, and it it really lands more in the fantasy realm. It's kind of raunchy at times, which I don't I don't mind a raunchy eighties comedy. And I think now looking back, I think that's what my mom thought it was. I think she thought it was like Porky's or Revenge of the Nerds or something. Maybe, maybe not. But it's kind of weird that um, what's her name, Andy? Yes, she's in that miniskirt all through the movie, and there's a lot of like you see your panties upskirt shit. Yeah. That's Weird. I thought about that the last time I watched it and went, how old is she? How old is she playing? 16, 15. Yeah. I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think I had to look it up. I think she was, um, yeah, she was, she was 18. Okay. So at least it wasn't like, well, no, it's still super creepy. But she's still playing high school and it, that's still, well, she's still like, an 18 year old. Do you yeah. remember when you were 18? Like you thought you were the fucking shit. Yeah. And now you're like, 18. Hold my beer, son. <laughs> Shut up. That's a child. And like, you're filming an upskirt. I don't, I, that, that, I could, I could lose that. I don't know. The times they have it changed. But, um, it clearly made its mark on a lot of people. It's in, for me, it's in the same sort of section of the library as Stephen King's It, Stand By Me. Um, Stranger- Not necessarily you're going to gra- gravitate towards it because you didn't. Right, but girl. You mentioned Stranger yeah. Things. I have it here, Home Alone, as well. Yeah, okay. Um, it really looks like they had a ton of fun making this movie, and that's that's always going to carry over. Yeah, you know, maybe Absolutely. they didn't. I don't know, but it, it looks like they did. And when when you can tell when 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 artists are having fun or enjoying, rather, I guess, doing what they're doing, that makes a movie that I don't really care for at least passable. Right. Are I ever going to watch it again? Highly unlikely. Probably not, man. Probably not. I might. I don't know. Probably not. No, there's a reason why people of our age revisit that is because when they saw it when they were 10, 11, 12, that's the reason why they go back. <clears throat> if you didn't see this in like in its entirety until 39, it's it's highly unlikely that you're going to sit here and go, I want to watch Goonies again. I actually might, man. You now, know, now that I'm hearing you say all that, I might. Actually. I get it, but it's but I I would understand if you didn't. Yeah. Why you didn't? You know, I've always loved this movie. You know, so that's never a question for me. You know, it's always held up. 
uh, as do in in a lot of ways a lot of Spielberg projects from the eighties. You know, it just it relies heavily on nostalgia, though. <clears throat> I also think though that Goonies is the type of film that you typically need to see at a specific age. Probably, what would be eight- two? Or, what would be two or three others that you would you would say you have to see at a certain age? Uh, Explorers. That's a Joe Dante film. That one doesn't hold up. Is that the one where the trash can and the... No, but that's the one where at some point they go out into space. It's River Phoenix, right? Yes, River Phoenix. Yeah, I've never seen that. Um, Okay, so... Hey, gang. Travis, by the way. While I haven't seen The Explorers, I do know that River Phoenix is in it uh, because I just Googled it. And they do make a spaceship out of trash cans. You're wrong, Nathan. Back to the show! And then I would probably say um, Monster Squad was another one because I did not see that at the right age. That's a Shane Black uh, written film. Uh, Did it take place at Christmas? Nerds. No, it was Halloween. (laughs) But uh, Goonies is the type of film that you really need to see at a specific age. I agree. I put down like 8 to 13 range. You know, that you've got to be – I put down here is like you have to be – you have to have that right balance between being able to want to have a fantasy adventure kind of like this, but you also have to be on the cusp of knowing your own limitations at the same time. I agree. Um, or that or that confusion that comes from that gray area. Right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're like, I've not ever experienced something like this before. <laughs> I'm um, going to go talk to Skeleton about it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Willie? You, know, you really you had What about you, Sideburn? You really had one eye. <laughs> Uh, it's the perfect blend of Spielberg magic, real life danger, throwing ordinary kids into an extraordinary kind of comic book adventure with really good charismatic performances by all of them. It has enough charm to carry it through to its finale. You know, I don't disagree with any of that. I just saw it too late. You know, yeah. Worst things have happened at sea. Uh, instead I say we go walk the train tracks and see if we can find a dead body. I can smell his bubble gum. So did they not have faith in the project? Is that why it opened like very small and then maybe I don't I don't know. You did the trivia on this one. I didn't <laughs> Everything I've ever read about this movie is like, hey, fucking classic movie the day it wrapped. Good job. Yeah. That's, the Select City thing threw me off. Uh sometimes they do limited releases. I don't know uh, what did they say, August? So yeah, sometimes August. they do limited cities and then they okay. do nationwide a couple weeks later, maybe. What uh you went off book today. What are you drinking over there? I'm drinking one of brain detail specialists, uh, Jimmy James's Heinekens that he left in our fridge. Six months ago? Yeah. <laughs> Close to it? It's still good. I, as always, am having the uh, official, unofficial beer of Six Pack Double Feature. A delicious tall boy Narragansett. Hi, neighbor. Narragansett Lager Beer. Yo! Okay. <laughs> Welcome in, gang, to the second half. As you can tell, we're doing Stand By Me. It would help, I'll bet, if I opened up my notebook. It might. I was waiting on you to order food. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, to be honest. How old were you the first time you saw a dead body? Uh, still. Um, I don't mean in like nature. I mean, I like, just. Army like well. Ray Brower? <laughs> Man, I went fishing one time down at, down at the pier in Santa Monica. 
<laughs> this we bloated homeless this, guy oh, washed it up. It was gross, skin peeling off and everything. <laughs> he was weird <laughs> looking. I'm not entirely sure. I was four or five. Most of our funerals were closed caskets, so it was Why? Not, it's just violent death, I a lot of gangland activity. Yeah, that's it. Okay. No, I, it's not as common, in, at least where I grew up, to have open casket funerals. I guess in the Midwest, we're fucked so up, man. We want, I want to make sure is, that motherfucker's dead. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same way in the South. It's just. Oh, it's very, yeah, very much so, the same in the South. Yeah, it's weird. I would like to make quite clear I didn't kill the first dead body I saw. <laughs> my mom had to go. My dad was working. Um, and my mom had to go do something, so she sent me for the evening to hang out with my, uh, with her parents, my grandparents, and some friend of theirs, who, you know, came over on the Mayflower with Moses, right, died, and they had to go. We called it a calling where I'm from. Okay, so the visitation, of a wake, or yeah, whatever. wake visitation, yeah. whatever. You, you go pay your respects. It's not the funeral proper, but you go up and you fucking shake hands. You you hug the family. You throw a deuce to the dearly departed, and you go back. Here home. it's what visitation, I think. Yeah, in the south, it's yeah. called visitation. For whatever reason, they decided it was cool to take a four or five year old, which was me. <laughs> so I, I only to touch it. The only thing I remember, <clears throat> only thing I remember is someone going. I'm sure they said he looks like he's sleeping, but I remember them saying he's just sleeping, and I was like. Um, Why are we all here watching him sleep? This is fucked up. I hope they wake him up before they put him underground. <laughs> yeah, like why? Uh, this is weird. But he's not moving a lot. Like my dad makes a lot of noise when he sleeps. That was weird, and I've been weird ever since. The first thing I wrote down while watching this, I'm like, I always forget that the movie starts with Dreyfus sitting in his Land Rover, where it looks like he's out on like a. That's the coolest fucking truck yeah, ever, dude. Like a, uh, I think it's a Land Rover. Something uh, maybe like not. That. It's it's high end. It kind of feels like high end, but it's like see how like on a Rover like safari in Africa Jeep or something. Thing. He looks like he's at, well, he's like huge in- wheat fields are like <laughs> on the side of the road, and he's just off there contemplating. And it it always throws me because I didn't watch this growing up. As a young person, I probably saw it after high school, I think. It's it's a pretty mild movie. If you edit you know? it for TV, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's not a lot to take out. Not really. Not really, no. No. A couple of... You could do some decent ADR. Yeah. And then just do a clip for time. And I always forget how kind of mild it is, especially for like a Stephen King story that can you don't know what to expect yeah have you, re- have you, have you read this wise no not yet i still i think i have it the uh the train it. trestle scene in the book in the story it's a short story it's in one right. of his collections i think it's it's not four past midnight it's um i forget which one it's in but it's a short story yeah it's the like train trestle parts, scene right. in the fucking story is so good it's as good as it is in the movie okay ah oh, it's so good this is the only thing i think i can definitively say i like john cusack in i like I his character i like him in it Reiner only had like two films under his belt at that time for directing, and it was. You know what his next one was after this? Princess Bride? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. Um, so, first one was the mockumentary, This is Spinal Tap, Tap, and then there was Sure Thing? Maybe it's called Sure, sure thing. thing. Yep. I've never seen it, but that was a Cusack picture. Okay. Um, it's hard not to watch this movie and wonder what kind of career River Phoenix would have had if he actually had. Fuck, it's so. Uh, it's a punch in the fucking chest, dude. He was so good. You know, he would have been, a, oddly enough, he would have been a great Joker, I think. Do you think that, um, do you think if River Phoenix hadn't OD'd back in like 93 that Leonardo DiCaprio would have had the same kind of career trajectory? I do, because 
Leo There's was, a few years difference between the two, but Leo was the cutesy little, uh, almost girly faced heartthrob actor. Like River Phoenix came. I love, I love DiCaprio. Don't get me wrong. He was pretty. You know what I mean? Right. And River Phoenix was was a good looking kid. But, Absolutely. But he had, he just had fucking pain in him, dude. And that's why he was able to fucking be a good actor. It was just like, I can put that on screen. Yeah, I can do. It. Watch. Me. I'm gonna cry today anyway. Uh, you know, I don't think he had much formal education too. He wrote, grew up like on a in a cult. Com- they were yeah. they grew up in the Children of God cult. Okay, yeah. No one knew it was like a commune, but yeah, it was a cult. Got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a he's a modern James Dean. Yeah, you know, it's like what could have been, and that's that's like a that's a true tragedy of that's a true Hollywood tragedy. You know, I don't think there was an initial interest to want to see it, although rewatching it again today, not today, but this past week. It was it was strange. All of the just the things that the kids said that kind of popped up in like when I look at you, I want to throw up. And then your mom <laughs> yeah. goes around the corner and licks it up. Yeah. I remember that stuff as a kid, and yeah. I don't know if it came from the book or if it came from the movie. And then they the kids who actually saw it in the theater brought it back in, and it just kind of resonated oh, through. Cool. I got gotcha. you. Growing up, you know, it was just kind of weird like that. So. Okay, so like I said, I was like seven, maybe eight the first time I saw it. Having been, it, let's just say it was 89 for the right. sake of math. Okay. So that was the first and only time I looked at Ray Brower's face because I was a kid and it fucked me up because that's How a kid. Okay, you're looking at it now. Do you still close your eyes? Until this viewing, I hadn't looked at it in 31 years. And do you think you overacted a little? I was a kid, dude. No, no, no. I mean, looking but, at it now. Yeah, his face it's, is just pale. It's, it's, it's just like you know that dude gets a credit in the does thing. he? Yeah, Ray <laughs> yeah, whatever his name was, played Ray Brower. Um, I had to make myself look at it. Now, next week when we talk about RoboCop, I still I still can't look at Murphy. Get oh, killed. that was hard. Yeah, okay. we'll talk about that next week. Okay, and I, I was, okay, I, was I thought about trying it, but I was like, no. And that could be seven year old me being a bitch. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still in there kicking around. Looking for snack food items, but watching it now, I'm like, I remember you talking about like one of the scariest things was Ray Brower. Was Ray yeah. Brower? Just because, just because but he was a kid, now, not that much older than yeah, me. I get that. It's just looking at it now. I'm like, I'm always expecting him to be more decomposed than he actually is every time it pops up. And it's well, just it's not kid. that humid in Oregon. It, yeah, it definitely doesn't rain up in the Pacific Northwest a, at all. It's a drier heat. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that doesn't work for you? Uh, I left it blank. The film is a little melodramatic in certain scenes and a little too introspective for twelve-year-olds sometimes. But I never, okay. you know, I never understood why they didn't ride their bikes, why they had to walk. Train tracks, dude. Still, that's they the don't only even other. have bikes. In but this. all in all, I think this movie's aged really well. There really isn't much, in in my opinion, that that doesn't work with the film. There's just a little bit of over overacting, but then it, they're because they're kids. They're kids, sure. And then they pull it right back. And then it just feels like, oh, do you really talk about these things? Some things, yes. Some things, I don't know. But and then it just pulls it back into, no, this is really believable. This is like a lot. You, yeah. I see what you're saying. My group of friends and I, when when we were that age, we did, we talked about farts. You didn't talk about goofy. What the uh, hell is goofy? No, no, we talked about farts and football. Well, you got to probably you got to think it's what fifty nine sixty in this story. We talked about farts, football, tits. Probably some supermodels. The A's are starting to bend, <laughs> but not. Yeah, we yeah we we weren't that articulate about it. We were just no, like, "Did you see her tits?" 
uh, burning stuff, and we shot things with BB guns. We would like we would sleep out like out in my parents' field, a little little campsite out there. But yeah, we didn't. We weren't deep. <laughs> we were dumb farm kids. <laughs> out of the three that are still alive. Who do you think has had the best career? I would guess that Jerry O'Connell's probably had the most stable career. Yeah, he gets to fuck Rebecca Romaine. He's he's actually have you seen Will Wheaton's wife, Anne? Yes. She's not to reduce these women to their physical thing, but they both married up. Talk about a shift with uh Vern. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell fun... that was his was this his first it was. picture? It was okay. his first picture, yeah. He uh he had a couple of syndicated shows. He filled in really well. Yeah. Or stretched, thinned out, stretched out really well. Slimmed up. <laughs> Slimmed up. Slimmed uh, he had that show, My Secret Identity. Yes. And then uh, he had a Sliders. show, Sliders. Yes. Both great fucking little, neat little fucking syndicated little shows. Bead sci-fi shows, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot about My Secret Identity. I mean, I guess, depending on how you measure success, I mean, Feldman's fucking gotta be rich. You would think. Or did he snort it all? A bit of both. I think, <laughs> I think maybe, maybe both. both. Um, well, Wheaton's probably the most adjusted now. Maybe, yeah. He's, he was on Macaulay Culkin's podcast, Rabbit Ears, a year or two ago. And he does a lot of stuff for, like, he does, like, this geek and sundry YouTube channel. He does, like, this yeah. tabletop game He stuff. had a, yeah, that's For the longest is. time, I was just like, who is that guy? And I wasn't making the connection at the time, and I'm like, oh, he was a child actor. He had kind of a rough go, like with his parents. Okay. His dad was an asshole, like a, like an asshole, asshole, like a Macaulay Culkin's dad, like asshole. capital A, yeah, asshole. Yeah. Okay, I think he's there now. Same with uh, Jerry O'Connell. I think he probably, like you said, had the most normal rise, right? Uh, and then you know Feldman is he's had a decl- he hasn't really made anything remotely worthy of. Watching since what the nineties early early nineties since the verbs as as a preteen early teen in the in the early nineties he did those uh, uh, the later iterations of meatballs movies where they were like raunchy tit comedies right those were okay the last thing I remember him doing was the voiceover for Donatello yeah yeah Bossa Nova Bossa Nova. Chevy Nova. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Who didn't hate Two for Flinching? Oh, I fucking hated Two for Flinching. I always wondered, did it come from the movie? Or no, it, was came it, from always... some, it came from some dick fucking bully. Yeah. Two for Flinching. Who wanted to hit you, but he wanted to fucking terrify you at the same time. Yeah. So sure he'd did. act like he was going to hit you, and then you'd fucking, if you're me, you, you flinched. Because I was a sensitive <laughs> kid. What are you doing? Well, I didn't have siblings. And you're then, a human, and you're trying to. So it's like getting yourself. it's like getting hit three times. Yeah, you get hit in the brain, and then you get hit on the shoulder. And if he was a real cocksucker, like this fucking asshole that rode my bus, what was his name? Shane. That motherfucker hit hard too. He didn't just go pop pop. He would fucking hit you hard. Slugged you twice. Hard. Hated that yeah. fucking kid. I love how he almost breaks Vern's brain when Teddy does <laughs> two for flinching, huh? and then Teddy hits him That's twice. Right. Two for Wait, flinching. What? <laughs> That's right. So, and then the look on Teddy's face is like, just like oh, okay, yeah, you can. I got it. Play on words. Yeah. Ah, oh, the English language. Neat. You have a favorite line or favorite scene? Barforama. Oh, man, 
That was the best. <laughs> just the best. Yeah. <laughs> that would happen. What do you mean? I mean, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? That's the end. How can that be the end? What kind of an ending is that? What happened to Lardass? I don't know. Um, maybe he went home and celebrated with a couple of cheeseburgers. Jeez, that ending sucks. Why don't you make it so that, so that Lardass goes home and he shoots his father, then he runs away and, and he joins the Texas Rangers. How about that? Uh, I don't know. Something good like that. I like the ending. The barfing was really good. But there's one thing I couldn't understand. Did Lardas have to pay to get in the contest? No, Vern. They just let him in. Oh! Oh, great. Great story. Yeah, it's a great story, Gordy. I just didn't like the ending. So is that them making fun of Stephen King because his endings to his books all I suck? I was wondering the same thing, <laughs> and I found it the most humorous out of everything. Because... Before you saw the movie, everybody talked about the scene with Lardass. They always talked about the pie-eating contest more than anything else initially. Okay. That was – at least that's what I always remember before I ever saw the movie. Everyone was talking about the story about Lardass. Okay. Or talking about Lardass. Or, chunk, saw in, the or chunk in the movie theater. Right. You know, and and I didn't realize at the time that the story of Lardass was just a story that Gordy wrote. And I think when I – I remember reading something in the the way Stephen King tells a story is that story is a printed version that he published in a magazine, I think. Or oh, something really? Like that. Okay. But I thought that was kind of interesting. But no, I found it really just quite humorous. I I don't know if it was enough because I don't know if if this was ever addressed in the short story itself. I, it's been or if it's just a knock on Stephen King and his ending sometimes don't always. It's been like a great so story, long. but the ending is. Meh. It's been so long since I read it, and, and I, I didn't. I don't think I finished it. It was probably it was close to twenty years ago. Okay, I, read it. I have to pull um, the book out and probably read it here soon. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a good, good read. <laughs> my favorite. Um, I have two. My favorite scene was that the what they call the ultimate train dodge when like they're walking across the trestle and Gordy looks back and there's nothing, and then he looks back and kind of. What? Like he puts, cause puts his he, hand like, on the, puts the hands on the tracks. And and he looks up and he sees the smoke. And oh, train! that's like some ma- yeah. There's, there's some masterclass kind of editing in that too because yeah. you don't think it's coming, but there's that concern. But then you see those plumes of smoke behind that huge yeah. tree line, rock in a hard place, and you're like, oh shit! I mean, every the, time I watch it, I'm like, get off the tracks. Even the rear projection is. It looks pretty good. Yeah, still doesn't look bad. It, it holds up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. Oh god. Um, my second favorite is another Gordy scene. It's when he comes back from the uh, – there's that weird little esoteric uh, scene in the the general store. Okay. He comes back yeah, to yeah. the junkyard, and he kind of comes around the corner, and everybody's gone, and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And he kind of looks up, and he sees um, Teddy, Vern, and Chris climbing Hopping the, the fence. Climbing the fence, and he's like, oh, what? And he still doesn't get it. And then, fucking, you see Milo Pressman come in frame behind him. Yes. And he's like – Chopper, sick him. Now he said sick, sick him, but what, what I heard, heard was Chopper, sick, sick balls. <laughs> I fucking love that scene. There are three lines that kind of he is, dude. Will Wheaton is asses and elbows, fucking running, running for that. his ass off, and then he hits it and he fucking, and then he climbs the fence. That's uh, such a great scene, dude. Yeah, 
But in a movie full, I love of the payoff magic. because I love the payoff because you think it's this horrible dog and it's just this kind of medium sized like little gold, mongrel. Like I mean, retriever. any dog will any dog will fuck you up. Yes, but, but you think it's a monster sized dog and it's not a regular just a dog. little rat dog. Here's a fun little uh, little fun little twist of fate. <clears throat> Chris and Gordy are kind of talking. Right, Gordy says Teddy's crazy. Chris, yeah, man, I bet he won't live to see thirty. Was it twenty seven or was it twenty three? He was, he was twenty three actually. It was twenty three. I think you're right. Yeah, he was twenty three. Oh, yeah, twenty five. He, he won't live to see twenty seven. Um, there are three lines that I really love in this movie. The first one is towards the end when Gordy's got the gun, and he pulls back the hammer on the forty five and tells Ace, "Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood." That's great. Yeah, it's such a great line. You're Whoever like, told you you had a fat one, the chance? Yeah. <laughs> Biggest one in three counties. The second one is in the observation uh, between Vern and Gordy when Gordy has to go after they flip coins uh, to go see how he has to go buy food. <laughs> and he's like, geez, Gordy, why couldn't you have gotten breakfast stuff like Twinkies and Pez and root beer? Sorry, Vern. I guess more experienced shopper could have gotten more for your seven cents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last one is just it happens sometimes. Friends come in and out of your life like busboys in a restaurant. Yeah. And there are a lot of friends that I had when I was in junior high and high school. Truth. That I just don't know anymore. There are a couple that I do, but most I don't. I don't communicate with them. I never saw them after high school, and I definitely didn't see them after I moved out of California. And it's just... You see them on Facebook? Some, yes, but you reconnect but, with but some, but that, it's not and that, the same. And, and, no, and that makes it weird because it's like, ah, no, we had... Hey, you want to see all my political posts? <laughs> well, but it's also like we'd, we'd close this deal. Like, we weren't, we were done. We, we're not meant to <laughs> yeah. see each other again. Then you get that random friend request from, you know, your bully or, or something. Sure. Like, you know, like, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah no, no, I don't, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I yeah, I I've, I've moved past this. Yeah. This movie made me paranoid of leeches. True fucking story. You ready for this? Uh huh. Anybody that doesn't know, I am. Uh, I'm a contractor. Uh, I I build water features. Right. And we maintain water features. Uh, we have started getting into bigger stuff like earthen bottom, like farm ponds, putting like bubbler stones in there to kind of make the ecosystems better. I had to send one of my service techs out yesterday in my kayak to put a bubbler stone in on this big pond. He had to do some adjustments. And he went out there and it started raining on him and in the midst of him of it raining, he kind of he kind of dorked his entry into the pond and got some pond water like farm pond water on him. And he said and he got out before the lightning and stuff started and he got in the truck and looked down and saw a bunch of fucking leeches on his legs and oh, shit. And I was like, "Stand by uh, me." Uh, and I immediately was like, "Did you check your dick, dude?" because <laughs> <laughs> He goes, no, dude. It was at a business. I couldn't. I couldn't just pull. I couldn't drop trowel and start looking at my wiener. <laughs> that shit happened to a guy I know yesterday, twenty four hours ago. Immediately, you think about standing. I immediately thought of Gordy's wiener. Yeah, not in an inappropriate way. Do you think that their clothes dry a little awfully quick after Gordy faints? After removing the leech from his wiener or balls, like I mean, they're like they're talking and it's suddenly just like dry. I mean, yeah, no, it's not a thing of that what doesn't work, but it just immediately went, man, their clothes dried really quickly. So fun thing about that. How convenient. Fun thing about that swamp. 
I mean, it was real, but it was made by the studio. Okay, so it was real, but man-made. Man-made. Real. But they made it in the spring, and filming of that scene got delayed until August. <laughs> so it had time to sit there and get festered and gross, oh, gross and have its own fucking little layer of funk to compete. Might as well have just been real, you know? Okay, I had one question about why they went into the gra- uh, went into the junkyard. I almost said graveyard. No, shortcut, not right? It was a shortcut. I believe they so. also got water, right? Because they were filling yeah, up the canteens. Yeah, yeah. Was that the only reason why they jumped in there? Because that it, initially it was like if there was such a concern about the junkyard dog and that they didn't open until like two or three o'clock. Why did they go there unless it was a bit of a shortcut? And that's I think it was a short. I don't know okay. that it, I don't know that they explained it actually. I think it I was, don't think they explained it either. They My definitely assumption it, was it was a shortcut, but it's like because they were chilling there for a while, just throwing pebbles into a can, and then they realized that they didn't have food. Did you ever do shit like that when you were a kid? Like just the the value of just sitting with your buddies and just killing time. Yeah, yeah. That's oh it's, yeah, it's priceless. Because um, now you're like I. You just think about it and go, hmm, am I going to kill time here or am I actually going to be productive? I'm going to kill time. Yeah, I'm going to kill time. <laughs> oh, no, I need to be productive. They definitely went across the swamp to, to make up time or to save time. Okay. But well, yeah, that I knew because I think the they junk, wanted to walk they, around. They said it specifically, yeah. And I think the junkyard was the same thing. Well, that was the same thing with the with the train, with the bridge. It was if we don't take this bridge, we're going to walk for another five miles. We need to take this bridge. I thought it was three, but yeah. either way, yeah, it was whatever. a considerable distance. I love that juxtapose of Gordy, like in the flashback, versus the Gordy in the present when he's just kind of just sitting there, like in the in the Jeep thing. Yeah, it's like it's him. It's Will Wheaton for a second, and then it fucking jump cuts to Duddy Kravitz, um, Richard Dreyfus. Thank you, Jesus Christ, Duddy Kravitz. I could think of fucking Duddy Kravitz, but I couldn't think of fucking Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> He's got this kind of confused. Conflict- Zoe Kravitz, what? He's got this kind of confused, conflicted look on his face, kind of just sitting like he. Well, w- well, he was reading the paper. That's what happened. He was he was driving and he got the paper and he saw that his friend had just. Was that the, was the paper in the shot? In it the- was, and that's okay. that's why he's sitting there all fucking just dunderheaded, digging for a into his yeah recesses. I'm sure you've memory. done that. Right. You're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoop! I got to pause for a minute. Ooh, just like oh. processing some shit, and the kids drive by and snap him out of it. Yes. And that's oh man, I fucking love this movie. And then this was the other thing that I, the, my last uh, observation when just watching it is was did you notice that when they're playing a that game of chicken? That's not really a game, but they're, when they're playing chicken on the road with the truck, uh-huh. they're all drinking Rainier beer. Yeah, because it takes place in Oregon. Yeah, and I didn't know that at the time, and I don't know if they specifically said is it. Oregon or not, because I know that every pretty much everything, unless otherwise mentioned, everything that Stephen King does is Maine. Absolutely. And so this was Castle Rock, Oregon, instead of Castle Rock, Maine. I'm sure that the short story is Castle Rock, Maine. I'm sure it is, too. And it comes up in trivia. I love that it happens in Oregon. I love that it's... I, I kind of like that, too. Yeah. yeah. It just adds another little layer of... A different type of authenticity. Nothing takes place yeah. in Oregon. Most very if, very if they, little. If, yes. If they do, it's not heavily mentioned. And like I said earlier, I fucking love Oregon. Do you have a magic wand? I do. Boy, do I have a fucking meta. I don't multi-layered my, doozy. Mine was difficult, and I just said I always wondered how this film would have worked if they didn't have the voiceover narration. 
you wouldn't have the show. No, or, you not, wouldn't. You wouldn't have the Wonder Years. No, you wouldn't have the Wonder Years. But I think the special part of the story is that it's told upon reflection, and I wonder how much the script would have had to have been retooled to remove that. You just don't have that internal reflection. I want to. I want to see that version if it didn't have the voiceover. Just cut it. I don't think it would have worked as well. No, because there's there's additional things that you don't learn unless you have a narrator telling you. Well, it's because he's Dreyfus, the writer. He's telling you his thoughts as they were when he was twelve, but he's also describing them to you as a grown man. What I heard was exactly sick balls. So he's giving you sort of a this is what i thought was happening here's what really happened yes but here's what i thought was happening and then you get the majority of that story so it's almost not a safety net but what I've had it would to, not work as well without richard Dreyfus, right and what i wrote down here was like there are probably four or five truly like really great films that have been adapted from stephen king's work most of them are not horror related all the good ones aren't yeah usually it's like well, it's just two prison movies. It's yeah, you have two prison movies. Shawshank and um, Green Mile. Green Mile. You have Stand By Me. Um, Misery's really good, but it's not narrated. Okay. And then maybe... <laughs> Misery was a full-length novel. It wasn't a short story. It was a full-length novel, correct. Um, Green Mile was a full... It was series six of parts. Like, yeah. But that's my magic wand. What is, what is your magic wand? <clears throat> After a lightning storm... Biff Tannen finds himself and his gang, oddly enough, the uh, night that they tried to kill Marty in Back to the Future 2. A, they find themselves both partially populated by Casey Sismaco. <laughs> uh, but they find themselves stuck just four years later, but in Oregon. The Tannen crew, confused, they make their way into town where they're met quickly by a rival gang headed by Ace Merrill. Uh, weeks go by, and after a nasty turf war, it's over. There's a winner. The winner is Biff Tannen and his gang. The name of my movie? Biff to the Future. Butthead. <laughs> uh, it's all I Ray Brower's dead body. That's what I'm looking at. He's still dead. <laughs> Maybe Biff killed him and made it look like a train accident. I don't know. I, I've been doing that a lot this year. That's my magic wand. It would just blend it with something else. Biff to the Future. Kind of the same thing of like Gordy and crew meeting um, Mikey and Brant because they're both Ace assholes. And Ace and Biff are very who wins giant that? asshole. Okay, so pick who's the giantest asshole in these take, two asshole. Contests. Take a Michael Jackson beat it video scenario and lash fucking Biff Tannen and Ace Merrill by the hand with a rope and then give them switchblades. Who is the knockdown dragout winner after that? Biff, I'd say Biff. Biff mostly because he's got him by about fifty pounds. That's Especially the only so. reason. I'm more afraid of Ace, though. Kiefer is great in this. He's so good in this. He's Everybody's so good, it's like, I'm going to play vampire two years later. With one of these other kids. <laughs> You're eating maggots, Michael. If you could recast this. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on my recasting, but I'm going to go ahead and go through it anyway, because I just I went through a, a huge list of popular... 80s actors. Okay. Most of them were pulled. Oh, not 50 were 50 percent were pulled from TV. 50 percent were pulled from movies. For Gordy, Fred Savage. Okay, that's easy. For Chris, I went a bit against t- 
type and went Henry Thomas, a few years older. For Teddy, I went Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. Wow. That's my Gordy. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. And then for Vern, I went Peter Billingsley. Rather than fat, I just went more kind of nerdy glasses. Okay. Uh, in that manner. That's fun. So I did an 80s trashy TV version. Oh, okay. Um, for Gordy, I did Ricky Schroeder. Um, for Chris, I did Mark Paul Gossler. <laughs> <laughs> He's still cool uh, and good looking, but just a little douchier. So you went Zach Morris. I went Zach it. Morris. Okay. Um, for Verno, I went Malcolm Jamal Warner. Okay. Actually, he's actually the most kind of like normal one. He Well, Vern, regardless, is the most normal kid out of all That's of them. That's true. Or, or most adjusted. Sure. I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, so And then yeah. for uh, Teddy, I went David Faustino. Bud Bundy. Oh. <laughs> oh all right. <laughs> so I've got Gordy is Ricky Schroeder. Verno is Malcolm Jamal Warner. Teddy is David Faustino. And Chris is... Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have here written in my notes as well. Do you think the thing about the ending of the Lardass story was because Stephen King stories don't end well? Absolutely. So you're in good uh, You're in good company with that theory there, Jerry. Similar or equal film? I had one. Okay. Set in the summer of 62, very close to the same time frame, I picked The Sandlot. Ah, okay. It's just about a... A young loner who moves to a new town is befriended by a, a motley crew of neighborhood kids who love to play baseball all day long. This film shares a lot of similarities, including a voiceover narration, exaggerating or exaggerated myths, and a group of boys who are void of adult supervision for most of the day. It's like while being sort of on the cusp of being almost young men, you know? Sure, sure. It's, it's considerably lighter in tone. But really fun to watch. If you're gonna, I, it kind of shares that. It's almost like the Sandlot owes the stand, not the stand. Excuse me, Stand by Me or the Body as a inspiration. I'm gonna make something kind of similar to it's where the Wonder Years came from. Yeah. Okay. So that's is that your recommendation, the Wonder Years? No, I have two. Actually, okay. um, they're both female centric. Do you remember the movie Now and Then with Christina Ricci? And I remember the movie. If I've seen it, it's been so long, I can't recall much of it. Um, I know it plays back and forth between um, flashbacks, correct? Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of a, a female. It's not a... A female coming of age story? Yeah. Basically. And they're not okay. they're not fascinated about finding a dead body, but they're, they're fascinated over this um, grave of this dead baby. Um, really, dear okay. Johnny. Maybe it's actually um, the it. name of on the on the headstone is R. Johnny, and I know this because I've seen it because it's about the town where I grew up, uh, and actually the neighborhood where my aunt B lives still lives, and I actually spent a lot of time in that neighborhood when I was a kid. And it's there's this weird little cut through between my aunt B's neighborhood and the armory, and there's just this little grave back there, this this dead baby, and it just says um, R. Johnny. It's weird. Um, Cloris Leachman's in it. Um, Christina Ricci. Um, I'm sure there's a few other names that I would know, but I just... Rita Wilson, Rosie It was like mid-90s, right? Yeah, I think Melanie Griffith's in it, 95. Um, fun. And I can't help but but see a couple of my cousins uh, written into some of those characters. Because the, the the characters written into that were an amalgamation, as they okay. often are. Um, it's just it's cool. that It's literally a neighborhood that I'm familiar with. Uh, another one uh, that I would highly recommend. It's a little dated a little bit, but uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. 
Last, have you seen? I've that? seen that, but it's been a long. Time. Really good movie. We just watched it a couple weeks ago. Actually, I, I, I took notes on Stand by Me weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And Jamie and I. Watched. All I can ever remember is the Kathy Bates where she hits him with "I've got better insurance." I've got better insurance, yeah. and oh, that only that joke only makes sense when you're in your forties yeah. <laughs> or older. <laughs> but I'd had these notes for Stand by Me written, written and done, bought and paid for, and then we watched Fried Green Tomatoes, and I went, "Oh, let me dig that out and write down that Fried Green Tomatoes would be another one too," because it's it's got a narrative. It's got a couple narratives. It's also kind of a flashback. Yeah, it's okay. a really good movie. You should check it out again. I okay. think I think you'd dig it. Those would be my two. Um, so what is some uh, trivia? Well, before I get to trivia, I'd like to talk about the Ray Brower effect. The Ray Brower effect? Like yeah. The Mandela effect? Kind of. Uh, I've touched on it a little bit, but like I said, I first saw Stand By Me when I was eight or nine, seven or eight, eight or nine, and all of it kind of made sense more or less until they showed Ray Brower, because I hadn't really seen, like, I'd seen in a funeral home, a dead body, but the way he just stares up. And maybe this makes is way more impactful for me than it is anybody else, but he's kind of just staring up at nothing. I'm always expecting not, worse than what is on screen. Yeah. Every time I watch this, it's like, oh, he's going to be gross. Oh, no, he's Matt, there's not going to be, there's no worms or anything. Yeah. Because um, it's only been a few days. In my head, I had built it up over the last 30 years to be this like Jason Voorhees wormy corpse thing. And it's really not so odd now. He's just like, he's just, he's just kind of there. But as a kid, roughly his age and i had that same flannel shirt that he's wearing in that that's partly what fucking screwed me up too not screwed me up but you know made me i don't want to watch it i don't want to watch it and I, i'm not kidding i would avert my eyes like someone not looking at the face of god oh, i got a text message <laughs> no, I would, hold on no i would cover my face or look away like i would say to jamie tell me when it's over <laughs> all right we'll see it's over <laughs> um but his face has haunted me for years and i faced him and I'm not scared of him anymore. Congratulations. Next week, though, when we talk about RoboCop, I will not have... Face that. I will not have a similar... It will not be the uh, Murphy effect. How about oh, that? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want some trivia. I do. Okay, cool. Six-pack trivia. Stephen Thing... Stephen Thing? Kinks of... <laughs> Very Derefin's S. Derf- Stephen Thing kinks. Stephen King <laughs> thinks this is the best adaptation of any of his work. I think I read that somewhere. I agree with it. Not far behind would be Shawshank. We uh, work wise uh, adaptation. Sh- sure, yeah, you're damn right. Yeah, we talked about the um, uh, rear projection footage of the Ultimate Train Dodge earlier. It almost doesn't stand out at all. It's That's because it actually happened. It's it's forced perspective. That was shot in camera. It's they're just not as close as yeah. it. Oh, I've forgotten it. It's not I, rear projection. No. Okay. That's why it holds up so well. But that's, but that's why it looks a little clunky because it's forced perspective. Okay. But holy fuck. Like you just put two 13-year-olds on a train trestle. I'm sure Crawl it was a mile knees. away. Yeah. Fall on your knees, Vern. Isn't that crazy? Um, did you have a friend that kind of did anything would have been that stupid? Like, I'm going to cross the bridge, but I'm kind of scared, so I'm just going to cross over it while on my hands and knees. To give myself this weird sense of security? Would you have done it? Probably. Uh, I think I would. I can understand Usually it's the why. fat kid, and I was the fat kid. I can understand why, but it's there's still that concept of move faster, you're going to lose your comb. Speaking of Vern, Jerry O'Connell was ecstatic that they were <laughs> his character was allowed to swear. Oh, 
Did he tell his mom or something? Like I don't remember. I, it's like, mom, I get to say these words in this movie because it's in the script. I think I remember seeing something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wagon Train's a really great show, but you ever notice they never get anywhere? They just keep wagon training. <laughs> that bit. Right. Will Wheaton's grandfather starred. In Wagon? In Wagon, wagon train. train. And his mom asked the producers or Rob Reiner, that, hey, could you mention, could you mention Wagon Train? I think it's, it's kind of fun. That is kind of fun. Uh, it takes place from Friday, September 4th, 1959, through Sunday, September 6th, 1959. It's like right before Labor Day or something. Right, right before, right it? after. Right before, right before they go back to school. Do you know the, uh, the total, the sum total of all their monies added up for when Gordy goes to buy I never provisions? summed it up, no. $2.37. It got them what? Half a, a pound of ham. You're missing the point that 237 is the same number as the room. Oh, 237. No. Wow. I way look over that. Actually, it's a, it comes up in a lot of Stephen King stuff. 237? Mm-hmm. Not sure why. Because that's, yeah, the room in The Definitely Shining. the room in The Shining. And I couldn't, I couldn't find anything else that it stated, but it said it came up in a lot of other Stephen King works. Um, not a lot of trivia for this. Um, I did have some also-rans um, for the role of Gordy, Sean Astin, <laughs> Stephen Dorff, and... Ethan Hawke. No, no, and no. Gordy needed to be the right kind of sensitive, right kind of pensive. All right, I've pissed him off. Now he's he's going to hold a gun on me. Will Wheaton is perfect in this role. Um, do you know the name of the guy that played uh, Ray Brower? No. Kent Luttrell. Should I know who that is? I don't know. He's credited. and <laughs> the, his- He's terrified me for 31 years, so I thought I would just... <laughs> Say his name and let it... Say my name, Bastion. That's it. There wasn't a ton of trivia for it. Different Seasons is the name of the book. That's right. Different Different Seasons. seasons. Okay. I was trying to remember, so I had to look that up while you were doing that. Castle Rock Entertainment, I know, is the reason the name of uh, Rob Reiner's entertainment or uh, production company. He named it after Castle Rock being the town, I mean, yeah, and I thought, I thought I, it was kind of cool. I thought I had in you've here, seen that everywhere since then. I thought I had in here why it took place in Oregon, and I can't. It may have been just for logistics location. No, like, there was no. a reason. Someone read it in a screen, and someone read it in something. And why don't you look that up? Well, it's dumb. But why? Well, maybe not dumb. It's insignificant. The town was selected for its small town 1950s ambiance. Brownsville, Oregon. Approximately 100 local residents were employed as extras. By God, you've stumped me. (laughs) That's what I have here. Okay. If there's a better reason, someone else better tell us because I didn't find it. Hey, gang. Travis again with another Racks from the Stacks, the best on wax. It's another six-pack double feature fact fuck-up. I actually found it on IMDb, why it was set in Oregon, not Maine. One of the screenwriters, while reading... The novella read Portland and assumed that the <laughs> assumed the story was set in Oregon because he didn't realize there was a Portland, Maine as well. <laughs> so nice fact checking there. Anyway, uh, back to the show. Are you listening, Stephen? Still hold up. Final thoughts. Absolutely. I think this is one of those perfect little end of summer movies, like end of innocence, coming of age stories that you can watch mm. 
um, on a Sunday afternoon. Man, it is so short. It's 89 minutes. It's not very they long. They don't piss no. around, dude. There's not a wasted frame in this movie. Nope. Um, the pacing is just perfect where nothing lingers on too long, and you're left with wanting more, but you can't really have it, which is kind of the way this story is meant to be. Um, it's just a great testament to really good storytelling, leaving you with a beautiful, bittersweet ending where you want more, but you just can't have it. Yep. You could have had 10 more years if you kept in contact with your friend. Maybe you should just pick up the phone and, or search them on Google. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> oh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Chris Chambers. Do you think I'll ever get out of this Nude town? photos. Ew. Dot wave. Oh, God. I feel like I disrespected this film. Um, By doing that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, had to, I had to continually pause the DVD while I was taking notes because I liked to Take notes. You needed to, but I had to. No, I I didn't want to miss anything in the movie. Normally, I can go like, oh yeah, okay, I know what's going to happen in the next five minutes in Caddyshack. I can take a couple of notes while they do the no 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 thing. But with this, this this movie is truly plugged into. It's been a friend for me in so many different right and a different kind of friend. I think I found it much more. It felt much more realistic watching it as a almost 45-year-old man than it did sure. 20 years ago. You're closer to the age of the writer. Right. I have youthful abandon written here. They don't really have youthful abandon. They've got this sort of youthful rebellion. But there's also the the friends that come in and out of your life. Yeah. And it's just... And the old man... Not the, He's not an old man, but the older man kind of reflecting back just on... Just a man. Yeah. Just the, the writer. He's the man. The writer man. Reflecting back on... Yeah, that, that chapter of his life. I had a like I had a couple of different groups of friends. Like when I was in middle school, high school, I had a, I had a group of friends, and then it's like you do you go to the four winds. Like my group of friends that actually really truly meant something to me kind of came along when I was in my early twenties, and we're all still relatively, for a couple of exceptions, we're pretty tight. And my Chris Chambers hasn't died yet. It's good. It is good. <laughs> the The meaning of it's the same. Like you, I think kids kind of grew up faster in the fifties and sixties than we do now. In a lot of ways. They had to. Well, I think what makes this story so nostalgic is just in general, even when it was you growing up or uh, me growing up in just the mid to late 80s and being able to just go and take your bike and just be gone for a day, be gone for part of the day and just got to be back by dinner. Yeah. And that, you know, your mode of transportation, that was your lifeblood, your bike or whatever to get wherever you wanted to go and do whatever you wanted to do. And I wonder how many kids still do that now. Well, fuck, you can't. No. I mean, even even COVID removed. Like, there's just... No, I don't even there's mean There's just COVID. danger. I mean, there's, yeah. There's just... Pederasts, dude. And technology kills a lot of that a lot creative of, drive. A lot of things. And have, independent drive. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it... I don't know about you, but I cry every time I watch this movie because I, I, I truly... I picture a 40-year-old River Phoenix walking into a Burger King and stopping a fucking knife fight with his throat, you know? And I think a couple of things like, man, what a what a bummer ending for a, a really interesting character in a story, but then also, like, what could have been? Do you have some chaser questions ready, or...? I got a question for you. Hold on. This question... This chaser question is from Christina... Who wonders if there's a film that you really think should have won an Oscar, 
or an Academy Award is what it says here, for any category, but didn't. And yeah, I have an answer for that. Was it nominated? I'll probably not, but I'll let you go first. My gut reaction with this question is Saving Private Ryan Mm. should have won for Best Picture over Shakespeare in Love back in 98. It was 98. The ceremony was 99. That's my first initial, like, if you ask me anything like that, first thing comes to mind. Mine would be Goodfellas. Specifically what what um picture as well? Yeah. More more moreover, I think Scorsese should have won Best Director way before he did. In two thousand and six? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, I think you're right. But nineteen eighty or nineteen ninety. Yeah, Raging Bull could have been. Yeah. <laughs> were any of his now this is where I don't know okay. if, if what was not were any of his nominated for Best Picture? Scorsese? Uh, yeah. Okay. He was nominated Best Picture as well as Best Director for Raging Bull, uh, Goodfellas. The, uh, I don't know if Age of Innocence, possibly, but I haven't seen that, but I'm not sure. I know Aviator as well. Aviator, Aviator was good. Is really good. Yeah. They thought that was going to win, and it didn't. I can't remember. And then his, his year. I mean, in my opinion, of the stuff that I've seen of his. I love. I really like The Departed, but compared to his other, uh, his other, his other gangster other movie, yeah, yeah it's, it's so derivative, dude. It's not. It's a hey, we he hasn't won yet. Sorry, Marty. Probably. Yeah, we should probably just go ahead and let's we'll just chuck. He should you probably on. win now. Yeah, and even of his, his his Leo era stuff, it's not the best of his Leo era stuff. Oh, his Leo era stuff. I think is the best of his Leo era is probably The Aviator. I agree. Then Gangs in New York. Rewatching Gangs in New York is. Fucking good! I love Gang. I love. I want. I want you to rewatch it and tell me if it's still as good as it is. When was the last time you watched that? A year ago? Really? Okay. I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. I. I it's heads and tails but, of Aviator. I think his truly. When I I don't really agree with award shows. I, I, yeah, awards I know. it's because, just let's pat ourselves on the back for well. It's who's just the best. how do you how do you. How do you compare art? You know, I mean, you could. I mean, we do it here. You can compare Taxi Driver and Pulp Fiction. They compare, but how do you still in different categories? How do you? Yeah, how do you give? It's like your parents giving awards for like. Well, you're the best. You're the best child. You know, here you're the best overall child of the two children. You're the best child of the two that are here. Yeah, really? That's because they're. It's. it's, it's, I just. I mean, I'm really drilling down on the fucking esoteric meaning of award shows here and i apologize for that but of all the stuff that uh scorsese's done i think i think goodfellas is his most accessible for the widest audience it's the most engaging story most well executed most well performed of all of his stuff so i think he should have won for now do i fucking love raging bull yep do i love taxi driver yep I don't even think he got a nomination for a director on that that year for a taxi driver. Yeah, fucking criminal. <laughs> That's what I would say. That's my long-winded answer of saying either Scorsese for best director way before he did, or Goodfellas. That gang is our Stand by Me Goonies episode. Extraordinaire. What a toe tapper! Hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> if you enjoyed that, let us know. Head over to iTunes. 
Couldn't think of it. I love the blank look that you give me. I, right, uh, I kept wanting to say Apple Podcast, which that's, that's what it is. Go. You can find it pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. If you have the ability to rate it, give us a rating. Go to Apple Podcasts. And make and leave sure us, it's a five or a four. Or go to stop. Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. A good, <laughs> good five star rating. You don't have to say anything, but if you do, say something. Make it funny. Uh, if you don't like it, you know, don't leave a review. Don't be a dick. If you like it, tell a friend. Fuck. If you like it, tell an enemy. I don't care. Yeah, both. They might. They might I like think it. You should do both. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, but you're not going to follow much. Anything timely. There's not a lot on there. Um, do you want a chaser question? Uh, sub- do you want to submit a chaser question and have it read uh, on the air? Um, fairly adeptly by me and clunkily by Nathan <laughs> <laughs> on this internet radio. Send those to Lisa dot six pack at gmail.com. Uh, also, you can uh, buy a shirt. You could buy a sticker. We will be back next week. Correct. With a couple our, of. It's our penultimate episode. We kind of had to this make This fucking year, re- dude. This fucking year. This year has been a readjustment of things. So we were going to have a full 10 before we had Halloween episode. And we. Brock fucked it up. Brock. Let's, let's blame it on Brock. Brock, Brock fucked, fucked it, up. it up. You fucked it up. He was supposed <laughs> to be here to fucking do Jaws and Piranha. And he's scared of getting coronavirus and dying. <laughs> pussy. <laughs> Come on, pussy. A little death never hurt anybody. Um, so we've reshifted we, some we movies. We scheduled that and, off for another season. And it may not even be Piranha next year. I think we paired it with an even better pairing. But I regardless, so. um, I know we have. And we are kidding, by the way. We take the coronavirus very seriously. We, we don't. Just, I don't want Brock. We just right. don't take Brock seriously. Who does? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so our our next episode is a season ender because we're going to only have nine true episodes this season. We're just rolling. We jump into we're, Halloween. We're, we're cutting our tenth episode off, and we're just going to make our Halloween episode our tenth episode. Yep. So our That's next episode is real heavy RoboCop because <laughs> they're and made the Terminator because they're made of metal. It's heavy. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> real heavy. <laughs> we also mentioned at least RoboCop earlier a couple times because you're dumb. You're dumb. I'm not going to watch Murphy get <laughs> bullet crucified by Red I can't wait Red until Foreman. I play my favorite scene is Murphy's death and then I play it. I'm, I can hear it. I just don't want to watch it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys can hear that next week right here or there on Six Pack Double Feature or there or any other where you get podcasts. But whatever you do, stay out of Detroit. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Nothing like a smoke after a meal. Yeah, I cherish these moments. 